You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your metaphysical guide on this audio ride of life delights or living delights. Interesting. Or anthropological delights. Ah, okay. Or biological delights. Yeah, I say biological when you're talking about life. <laughs> and that, of course, is Polly C. Yo, yo, yo. And the C stands for carbon. Or should I say grow, grow, grow? I don't know. <laughs> that is a good one. Because today we're going we're gonna to ask just a very simple question. What is life? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's part of our ongoing, I think this is episode 6,359 <laughs> of our ongoing quest. To and, find uh, the meaning of life. Yes. Yeah. And today so, so we just... What is life is also a good George Harrison song. There you go. See, I was waiting for you to bring that in. <laughs> I left it open. Thank you. You know me, I'm a Beatles stan. Mm. Might be a good uh, outro. Yeah. Way ahead of you. All right, all right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so this, uh, and interestingly enough, the, my concept for this show kind of came about because of uh, a beer and a book, or a book and a beer. Those always go good together. Yeah, and I actually bought the book and the beer at the same place. Oh, there you go. So even better. So two things that you can't have too much of, though, you know? Yeah. Too many books, and it's like, I don't remember what I was reading. <laughs> right. Too many beers and probably won't be able to read. Yeah. At least too many books. I don't think will give you a hangover. You no. probably could get a headache, though, from reading too many books. Probably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's actually this uh, this new spot, and uh, it's called Consignment Lounge over in Avondale, and it's basically like a bar inside a vintage shop. That's awesome. It's pretty cool, and they they have all kind of trinkets and books and just all kind of paraphernalia. Maybe they'll want to sponsor the show after all this free advertising. I know. I did get a couple of free drinks there. No, so. But we do got to support our cool local <laughs> businesses in Chicago. Yeah. Especially it's in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, or my neighborhood. At least. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, for me, a lot of times I feel like I don't find books. The books find me. Okay. And I was looking through their collection of used books or whatever. And this one popped out at me called The Immense Journey by Lauren Isley. Okay. It was written in uh, 1957. He's an anthropologist, but also a, a scholar, philosopher, poetic style writer. And it's a really it's a really good book. It's it's very interesting cuz it's it's basically the immense journey is about life itself. And it goes through, you know, the very beginnings, you know, kind of microbial beginnings of life it, it it you know it's it's kind of a collection of essays and each one is about a different subject matter within the confines of this journey called life and i have the benefit of pulling up his info in front of me but there you go did uh did you see what his credentials were uh no i did not really. he was uh uh university of pennsylvania um looks like he was like a professor of anthropology at University of Pennsylvania. Mm. So some guy seems like he knows what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. He's written some other books, I think, after I've never... Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I've never read any of his work before, but after this, I probably will get one. But it's he, he opened up the mind and made me think <laughs> of theories. Uh, but it was like kind of along the lines of stuff that I already think about, especially kind of uh, the, the hubris of humanity. He gets into that a lot about uh, one of my favorite. Kind of, there's a lot of quotable stuff in there, but one is... We are one of many appearances of the thing called life. We are not its perfect image, for it has no image except life, and life is multitudinous and emergent in the stream of time. And he goes on about that, and he gets into a lot of... Uh, he kind of he goes after Darwin a lot, and Dar- Darwinians, and saying that they're kind of uh, just, a, just a lot of... Uh, Ego-driven and how wrong they were in a lot of ways. Uh, the belief, you know, for a long time that it's, uh, it's when you're speaking about humans that it took millions of years for us to evolve in the way we have. And, you know, the whole concept of like the missing link and some of that has been proven wrong, obviously, with like the way our brain grows. Yeah, so has the benefit of being 100 years younger than for Charles sure, For sure, for sure, yeah. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's neat, yeah. though, that that was like a point that he would mm-hmm. uh, kind of build from. And it was interesting, too, was uh, just the concept of how people not that long ago believed, you know, and, and it makes sense when you see their treatment of, like, primitive people or t- tribal people. They literally believed these were, like, the missing links, that they were inferior to modern man or especially kind of European man, and that these were remnants of our ancestors, so that we could study them to learn how, you know, we what we evolved from, which is just nonsense, and you know that they have the same uh, brain capacity we do. They just live a different lifestyle, and you know, I could get into that too, or it's what what, and that's part of it. What is life? What defines life? You know, because so when I was reading this, I thought about what I always think is how the universe, you know, is like fourteen and a half billion years old. Uh, Earth. Is that the number, or are you just pulling one out? No, that is the okay, number. Okay, 14, that is the number. Yeah, 14, at least for now. So we figure something yeah. else out. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then the Earth, it's like four point four and a half billion years old. Okay. Um, life on Earth is like 4.3 billion years old. Uh, you know, humans are 30, roughly 30 to 200, depending what you count as humans, hominids and anthropoids <laughs> yeah. and all those. But millions of years old, right? Not that long. And then modern humans, probably, you know, and not, not even that long at all. Um, but anyway, so my point is like from, you know, from the Big Bang onward to now, right? In this vast universe that created what we know is the only life that we have found so far is us on this planet, on this blue marble. It can't be for the way we live right now. Like, like this, this cannot be the culmination of fourteen point, you know, five billion years for us to like exist in a world where like reality TV and <laughs> like and people getting like their information from memes. You know, like this can't be it, right? <sighs> we can only hope. <laughs> but it's interesting in this book because he talks about well, what's to say that we're even. The apex, like what we could just be a step along the way in life's journey. That's you know, the hope, right? But not even us. Like we're just another. We're like the dinosaurs at some point. Yeah, you know. 
and unless we destroy the planet and there's no future, well, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. no, I mean, I'm with you. I think uh, you know the the concept is you know when you're here, you're trying to create a better future for the next generations, mm-hmm. and that those generations should be smarter and and more adapted than you are. That's right. that's at least I think from a biological standpoint what we should be doing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I think that's kind of uh, in in. in somewhat of a way is parallel to like natural selection and that kind of Darwinian thought of, you know, these mutations happen and something that's how we evolution happens, which also gets that could change. Uh, there's a the field called epigenetics, which is like kind of newly emerged. And, you know, there been a lot of studies showing how even uh, Psychological and trauma and stuff like that could be passed down through genes, which would kind of go against natural selection. But, but anyway, yeah. But it it should be that we are moving forward to something. But then, if you take us out of the equation and just think about life itself, because you know in the book he's talking about how life itself just wants to keep going, right? And that's why these you know little microbes and protocells or whatever emerged out of these swamps and came onto the land and became different species and not just, you know, mammals, but before mammals, you know, dinosaurs and, you know, uh, different plant life. You know, it's interesting that when he describes kind of like the, the dinosaur era and how there wasn't really, there wasn't grass, there wasn't flowers. There was just these big, tall, evergreen trees, just huge trees everywhere. And if it wasn't for the emergence of flowering plants, there wouldn't be humans. Yeah. You know, so like all this kind of ties in together, but it's all about this progression that life has to do. Like life has to keep going forward. Like it just, it wants to spread out. Like it just wants to keep going, you know? And uh, so when you get into that concept of like, well, where does that come from? You know, in in relation to the universe, I mean, it could go, you know, that's, you know, getting very big. But there is theories and concepts about that that, like, in the next segment, I'm getting to, like, different theories on the origins of life on Earth. Um, But I just uh, kind of starting it off just thinking about all the different aspects of life on Earth and how even though we think we are... The dominant, I mean, we kind you know, we obviously are the dominant species on Earth. Although we don't really take care of it that well, but. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, like, I think maybe the dolphins are, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, what, like coyotes tend to maul humans. I, I think it could be mm-hmm. debated who the dominant species is. True. Are. And, you know, it's interesting about, like, dolphins, too, is how. They, you know, they, if you look so at, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but yeah, <laughs> well, I love talking, yeah, yeah, I love talking yeah. about dolphins, dolphin, dolphins like fascinate me mm-hmm. because they are highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. They're in water. Uh, and we haven't eradicated them yet in the right. human versus dolphin. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, we have like attached lasers to them and try to like, <laughs> yeah. turn them into super soldiers or whatever the hell they're doing. Uh, we haven't figured out their language yet. I feel Agent like once Flipper. we figure out their language, like we'll learn all the secrets to, to the universe. You know, but you know, but they were land mammals at a certain point, billions of okay. years ago, and <laughs> we like cross paths on yeah. the way. You know, and they. But that, that's funny when you think about like they decided. You know what? I'm staying. I'm staying in the water, which kind of is smart. <laughs> I mean, for them, you know. 
They don't have to deal with us as much. Keep the land, get all sunbaked. We're going to stay down here. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) we don't need fresh water to survive. Plenty of salt water here. Yeah, but it's you know, but they and then water itself. When you think about the the necessity of life, especially humans and water. I mean, we're like seventy percent water, um, and we basically, from what we can gather, seems that we have emerged from water at least at a certain point, whether. It was from the swampy ponds or the like bays and beach kind of areas or deep down in the depths of water. Either way, that's where so-called life began and eventually became us. And we don't even know. I mean, it was not that long ago, literally just a little over 100 years ago, that scientists believe the <laughs> evolution came from there was like originally little – the cells – that turned into humans later on were homunculi, which were basically little little men. So I really just believe that it's a word I learned this year and it's been coming up so much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, like you know how that's like so fascinating how it's like like it never entered into your psyche or your vocabulary and then mm-hmm. like you learn it, you hear it, you learn it, and then all of a sudden you notice it all the time. But like yeah. I think you were talking about homunculi or homunculus. Uh-huh. Uh, last week on the show could have been say. yeah was it last week or uh, two weeks ago uh, oh yeah yeah probably ago, yeah. yeah because we were talking about the mad scientists mm-hmm. so i'm mm-hmm. sure that came up with somebody trying to create a, <laughs> yeah. or another thing was uh the paracelsus guy who believed in which that's come up yeah. Tw- yeah twice mm-hmm. yeah better uh, than celsius yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my new favorite guy yeah uh, <laughs> i'm sure celsius is like of course everyone's gonna love him right <laughs> his entire right life up. was a mean <laughs> i don't gotta dig into the who the celsius dude is <laughs> Well, we should, I think, for his yeah, benefit. Right. But then we're going to find out Celsius exposure. was enough of a jerk that Paracelsus was right. Yeah, you know? yeah. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, I mean, just think about that. It wasn't that long ago. Like, people thought, like, yeah, it was a little, look, just the, these cells are just little men. And then they just grow larger and larger and larger until they evolved into humans. And obviously that's now known to be ridiculous. But it just, what the reason I bring it up is that, we kind of we settle into this belief that every generation we're in, every period of now is the ultimate, you know, this is all we can know, right? This is what we know is what we know, but things can change. Who knows, you know, in 100 years what we'll believe on the theories of origins of life or evolution or anything of that. Um, there's another author that I've, I've read, uh, Robert Lanza, who's also a scientist, and he wrote this book called Biocentrism. And his whole concept is that, like, biology is innately tied into the beginnings of the universe. So instead of the universe starting at a quantum state and then emerging into molecular and then physical material and then biological, he believes that biology was there in the beginning and that consciousness is a big role. And that's why, you know, everything has to be observed and there is no outside world or inside world in your mind. Everything is all part of the same thing, right? Uh, which they, his book's pretty good. It's called Biocentrism, if you want to check it out. But um, which is an interesting concept too. And I don't know if more scientists will try to figure that out. Like possibility that there was some kind of biological pieces in the very beginnings of the universe. Um, and it's you know it's when you start thinking about life on other planets, you know, which we are we're finding these exoplanets that we think could harbor life, right, because of their distance from their suns and what 
appears to be certain gases. Like, is there water on there? Yeah, exactly. And then we, you know, but the, there's other things that are going to break up our understanding of what life is. We think mm-hmm. that it needs a certain kind of temperature and certain chemical compounds. But, like, we believe that the moon Europa and uh, Jupiter is it's a total ocean ice planet, but that there's probably life underneath. Like, like single-celled organisms, things yeah. like that. I think everyone thinks they think of, like, life you know, on other planets, they think of like human mm-hmm. type of stuff, or or you know the the little like green blob men, or you know, yeah. or something that's so it's got to be a tangible concept of like oh yeah. they're you know the the elephant people or the you know exactly that sort yeah of thing. yeah we but anthropomorphize everything, but but it's also it could be as simple as yeah single celled organisms, mm-hmm. algaes, things like that. Yeah, and who knows what type of uh, life can exist in realms that 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 go beyond the, the, the concepts of physics that we understand. Mm-hmm. You know, we think that life can't exist in kind of frozen areas. And, you know, it's like when they discovered the tardigrade, it's, it's, it's interesting because it can be inanimate for long periods of time. And we would judge life as, as, as being animate, mm-hmm. like, you know, and we, the, the definitions of life is basically a self reproducing, you know, system, right. An organized system. But then there's there are things that self reproduce like viruses which are not considered alive. Yeah. And then there's things that have certain systems like snowflakes, but are obviously not alive. Or at least we don't know. Maybe snowflakes have tiny little brains. <laughs> <laughs> little snowflake brain. <laughs> anyway. Well, those are just crystals, I thought. Snowflakes? Yeah, yeah. yeah ice crystals. Yeah, you know. yeah. But they have a structure formation that, like, in. So, when I was reading about uh, looking up different things, there's actually 100, supposedly, 123 different defini- scientific definitions of what life is. And this is, like, a really, which I, I mean, I kind of assumed, but didn't realize how big of an ongoing debate just defining life is. Like, not even the question of what is life, but just. The definition of life, like scientists debate this constantly. I mean, 123 definitions is insane. And if you think about it in any other kind of scientific practice, they would never have that many definitions. Like there's not 100 definitions of what a star is or, Mm -hmm. you know, what water is. There's just is that. Yeah, because it's usually like an either or type Mm -hmm. of concept. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. And then I was reading different, you know, philosophers and stuff like that. And their kind of take on it. There was this one woman who was just like, yeah, stop trying to define it. You're wasting time, you know. <laughs> Do other stuff. Uh, we got to take a quick break. I know we got a caller on hold. We will get to your call when we return. And if anybody else wants to jump in, give us a call at 773 763 9278. That's 773 763 WCPT. And we'll be back with more Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. Today we are asking the simple question, what is life? And we will answer it within the next, uh, what do we got, 20,000 episodes? <laughs> yeah, 20,000. No, in 26 minutes. <laughs> okay. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> but before we do that, let's take a call. Maybe Dan and Lombard has the answer. What's going on, Dan? The answer one, all of this silliness about biology, big bang, quantum physics, and all that. It's Adam and Eve. Let's get on board. One. <laughs> okay. Two. Hermonculus is the favorite, my favorite word that I forget exists. <laughs> Three. 
It's a great word. It is not dolphins. Dolphins are not the pinnacle animal on the planet. It would be insects, mm. but only because Keith Richards allows it. <laughs> okay. And four, all of this only exists in some sea turtles' dreams. Ah, <laughs> turtles, all, turtles all the way down. Yeah, I love the show. I work retail, and when I get off the retail, and believe me, that's that's the circus of the absurd between the employees and the customers. Oh yeah, the customers still a circus of the absurd. I think retail, and really retail, and airports really show you like how bad humans are. Maybe maybe restaurants <laughs> mixed in there too. We are we are one level of hell above food service. Yeah, but somehow it has its own aspects that are worse than food service. Because at least the food service, you can do stuff to their food, and you can <laughs> eat the leftovers. Yeah. So honestly, it's all a dream. The whole thing's absurd. When I start doing the absurdist stuff at work, because mm-hmm. I like to do that, they're like, what do you mean? I go, don't you find this whole thing just a real, like, did this any of this actually happen? Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, at this. no, it didn't. None of this happened. I'm dreaming this. And you are going to stop yelling at me now. We're all just figments and of your imagination, dude. <laughs> Act a little crazy, and they will leave you alone. And that's what I did. <laughs> it's a good way to get out of those. I love the show, guys. You, you stretch my mind. You make me laugh. All right. I, I know more about Aztecs than I ever thought I would. <laughs> nice. And, oh, by the way, it, it wasn't aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Okay, yeah. Well, of course. Okay. I was going to get to that. I, I covered everything. You're welcome. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, well, real quick, though, which insects or just all insects? Uh, or do you have a specific? I, you know, I, I don't have a favorite. I think ants are, I think ants are just corporate because they just do yeah. what they're told. True. And the same with bees, really. I like a, I like a nice grasshopper maybe because they scare the heck out of me. I don't know. I Beetles are fun. Yeah. Well, and, they and say roaches will, ex- the roaches will outlive yeah. the nuclear blast. Yeah, but I, like I said, that depends on Keith Richards. True, true. And whichever <laughs> comes out on top in the great murder wasp versus cockroach. Oh war. yes, the murder wasps. And have you seen have you seen the play Steam Bath? No. 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 Uh, the premise is the premise is when you die, you go to a steam bath, and okay. God is the Puerto, Puerto Rican steam bath attendant. <laughs> And you don't believe he's God because it's like, I show you I'm God. I do it. And he does a miracle. It's like nothing. And they're like, you're not God. He goes, no, I'm telling you, I'm God. Don't mess. <laughs> and finally, it's just a nothing. It's a, it's a little bit like the Albert Brooks movie, but it, it, it exists as a kind of like a playhouse, not Playhouse 90, but something PBS put on. Okay. And uh, Valerie Perrine is in there and it's just a towel. So that's a good thing. Mm, okay. And then, and 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 the the guy the guy that with the with the big meaty face that used to be on uh, uh, oh I can't think of his name he's an Irish actor and you'll know him as you've seen him and the the bottom line is the whole thing is absurd mm-hmm. when, when, it, when it comes down to the end we're just in pain and going please make the stop and then you float above yourself and then you go into somebody else's body even though I don't believe in reincarnation I don't know what it is I don't. Yeah, we can't know. It's unknowable. The unknowable. And people, well, and the people say, "Well, I read the Bible so I can understand God," and I'm like, "Would well, that would be like a, a single cell amoeba 
saying, I'm looking at this sign to figure out what humans are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I, I'm driving home from work. Why? <laughs> Why did I go to work? Yeah. Because <laughs> I need money. I, what right. is that? So, yeah, it's all absurd. And no one likes that pointed out because, like, I have a purpose. I'm like, no, you don't. It's just this thing we do so we're dead. I think the- whatever that is. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the purpose, I think, is just it's living. It's just the, like I was saying earlier, like in the book he talks about, it's just life just keeps wants to just keep going. It's just it, 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 maybe the people and I'm, I'm one of those people who always worries, you know, regrets the past and worries about the future. If you just live in the moment, that's, that's the easiest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just do that. That's hard enough. And and like, oh, I mean, right now I'm having butter and crackers and that's the best food I've ever had. And not worry about you didn't have a steak and, or I had a good steak last week. Just do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the four agreements is kind of about that. Like, just be in the moment. If you're tying your shoe, tie your shoe as best you can. Yeah. And and it is, it is kind of silly. You know, I've got these plans for two years from now. Well, uh, mom passed this year, and it was like somebody said something about, well, Matt graduates in the spring. we got a room for you. She goes, yeah, if I'm here. And we're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And and now I said to my wife, I'm 63 last year, hey, maybe we should buy something really nice like a Volvo. Yeah, sorry. You know, one of those really nice Scandinavian cars. They last a long time. And you can go over to Europe and pick it up and they'll pay for the flight. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, because of VAT taxes. And they'll actually pay for insurance in Europe. You can drive it around Europe for like two weeks. They fly you over, they fly you back, and the car shows up when it shows up. But, you know, we're semi-retired. I don't care. Yeah, there you and, go. And she goes, why do, we, why do we need that kind of car? I said, well, you know, so it lasts a long... Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I need a car to last 20 years. I don't know if I need to, if the car I'm in needs to last another 20 minutes. But I'm thinking about the future like I did when I was in 20. Because I never grew up in my head. I'm like, I'm 35. Now I'm, 60, I'm 36, I'm 63. Because I just never... I didn't not age, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm old. Yeah, I don't. I, I I meet people. I'm like, man, you're 25, and you're make you're embarrassing me. How old you are? Yeah. And so that all that whole of that's wrapped up into what is the world? Why am I here? What am I doing? And I think the turtle dream is probably the most cogent explanation about what's really going on right now. Well, you reminded me of the the uh, one of my, my favorite quotes from uh, the great Satchel Page was, uh, "If you didn't know how yeah. old you were, how old would you be?" How old would you be? And never, never, never be in a hurry. Don't look back; something might be gaining on you. Never be in a hurry. I always sit loose. I move in a jangling motion. I try to be. And the man was the man was probably sixty years old and out pitching men. You know, yeah. one third his age. For sure, and and probably was the finest pitcher ever ever was. Mm-hmm. I take way too much time, but I think <laughs> the turtle will go with it. Time doesn't exist, Dan. There is no such thing as time. None of this, none of this has happened. <laughs> All right, thanks for the call, Dan. Yeah, bye, bye. I just want to say before we move on, since Dan works in retail, uh, think of your retail people this time of year because yeah. uh, they, they deal with a lot of people during this time of year. And it's just uh, they have the patience of saints to be able to put up with all yeah, the holiday they don't get shoppers. Tips either. That too. That too. So, yeah, tip, tip your retailer. 
because you never you know. You can tip them. That, that guy helping you them. out might be enlightened like Dan is. Exactly. And probably has a great sense of humor right. like Dan does. So don't don't uh, dismiss those yeah. retail workers. And if your retail worker starts going off and waxing philosophically, you know, listen to him. Yep. Might be Dan. <laughs> uh, but I got a list here of uh, different theories on the origins of life, which I got from Live Science, because we don't know. We don't know how it started. I mean, we could get into, like, you know, we were just talking with Dan about what is life and what all the different, you know, absurdities that we are living in. But if we take it back, we don't even know how or why life began. That's the other thing, too. If you just think about the why of it, why did life begin? Like, in this cold, like, dead space universe of just quantum fluctuations... And majority of what we know is that there isn't much life out there that we know. Now, you know, obviously I can go on on some whole other stuff. But from what we know, it makes no sense that life even emerged on this planet. And to have even the perfect conditions for life to have emerged on this planet is, to use the word again, absurd. But it did. And we are here. And I know, of course, if you're religious, you'll say, well, it's God. Right. But even that doesn't totally answer why. And I know some people say, well, it's, you know, uh, like if you're kind of a universalist or someone who believes more in like the universe as opposed to God, you will say, well, it's we we're, we're here to for the universe to experience itself. Like, you know, maybe we are here, you know, to for God to experience some kind of physical realm. Right. But this is like so simplistic of an answer. But if that's the truth. Then why were there? Why is there so many other different life forms created? Why did we come about later on in the emergence of life on Earth? Um, you know, why did these different? I mean, if you think about if, and I don't want to get too much into God, but if you think about the, if there's an omnipotent entity, God that created us, right? Why would it have created, you know, uh, other type of living creatures before us that? weren't as intellectual or intelligent as us like he would or it would have already known the future like you know what i mean like anyway that's sorry i'm gonna try sorry that's yeah yeah that's that's weird we're just gonna have to get like a, <laughs> a preacher or something yeah we should get yeah get a theology you know, the ready to go answers mm-hmm. for you you know i want to get yeah I'd love can't to stump get, me i'd love to get though like somebody who's like a like half scientist half theologian you know, and see. I'm like, sure there's thing. somebody. There's got to be. We'll yeah. find. We'll find one one day. Uh, but okay, so here's some different theories. It all started with an electric spark, which I kind of like this one because I feel like it it uh, fits in with my uh, fandom of of Nikola Tesla, who believed that electricity was just everything, everything and anything, and. This theory is saying that lightning would have provided the spark needed for life to begin. That electric sparks generate an amino acid. They can generate amino acids and sugars from an atmosphere loaded with water, methane, ammonia, and hydrogen. And it was actually shown by the uh, famous Miller-Urey experiment in 1952. Note the findings from that experiment suggested that lightning might have helped create the key building blocks of life on Earth in its early days. Another one is molecules of life met on clay, which kind of reminds me of uh, what is the other? It's not, it's, it's I, I want to say it's uh, ah, 
the name. Of, it's a G word, but it was like an, an old Hebrew Israeli, uh, well, like the clay man. Uh, I keep wanting to say like a golem, but that's yeah, I think it is. Go- no, it's not oh, golem because golem's golem. from. Um, Oh, All right, look, gosh, yeah, look it up know, while yeah, I talk. Yeah. <laughs> so this one says the first molecules of life might have met on clay. This is an idea elaborated by organic chemist Alexander Graham Cairn Smith uh, in 1985. And he believed that clay crystals preserve their structure as they grow and stick together to form areas exposed right. the, to different the environments. Yeah. The golem, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think it's just thinking of golem because of the yeah. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Schmeagol. <laughs> Not to be confused. My precious. <laughs> Maybe it was life itself. Precious. <laughs> and uh, the main role of DNA is to store information on how other molecules should be arranged. Genetic sequences in DNA are essentially instructions on how amino acids should be arranged in proteins. Karen Smith suggests that mineral crystals in clay could have arranged organic molecules into organized patterns. After a while, organic molecules took over this job and organized themselves. Um, and then there's life began at deep sea vents, which is actually a pretty recent theory. Although it goes back, it, it harkens back <laughs> to uh, kind of the uh, back, you know, the Darwinian 1800s, 1700s kind of belief that that is where life began. They really believed, like, I think it was the mid 1800s, they, they first started to dredge the bottom of the sea to find stuff like no one before that had, well they didn't really have the technology i don't believe to do it and that was kind of the first time that they started to do that believing that we would find so they believed that uh you know how like a like the tree ring you know and you could you could find the different years right or yeah. when you dig into the earth you can find the different years the different eras mm-hmm. right and you'll find you know fossils well they believed in the sea the deeper you go you would find the origins of life. Okay. So it's yeah. like a mirror image of the, you know, the uh, digging in the dirt and finding the layers, right? So the, you know, the deeper you go. Now, that got proven wrong, but there is a new theory that believes that deep sea vent. It's called the deep sea vent theory, which suggests that life may have begun at submarine hydrothermal vents spewing elements that were key to life, such as carbon and hydrogen, and this is uh, according to the journal Nature Reviews Microbiology. And these hydrothermal vents can be found in the darkest depths of the ocean floors. Uh, these vents erupt fluid, which is superheated by the Earth's core as it passes up through the crust before being ejected at the vents. During its journey through the crust, it collects dissolved gases and minerals such as carbon and hydrogen. And the rocky nooks could have concentrated these molecules together and provided mineral catalysts for critical reactions. And they say even now, studying them now, they actually do sustain vibrant ecosystems. Another one is that life had a very cold beginning. And uh, ice might have covered the oceans three billion years ago and facilitated the life of Earth in this theory. Key organic compounds thought to be important in the origin of life are more stable at lower temperatures, says Jeffrey Bada at the University of California. At normal temperatures, these compounds, such as simple sets of amino acids, are sparsely populated in water, but when frozen, becomes concentrated and facilitate the emergence of life. 
Um, ice also may have protected fragile organic compounds in the water below from ultraviolet light and destruction from cosmic impacts. The cold might have also helped these molecules to survive longer, enabling key reactions to happen. Another theory is the answer lies in understanding DNA formation. So this one says uh, the answer may be RNA, which can store information like DNA and serve as an enzyme like proteins and help create both DNA and proteins, according to the journal Molecular Biology of the Cell. Later, DNA and proteins uh, succeeded this RNA world because they are more efficient. And that's why RNA still exists and performs several functions in organisms. Uh, The question still remains how RNA got here in the first place, though. Although, why did anything get here in the first place? It's a big question. Um, The other theory is life had simple beginnings. Instead of developing from complex molecules such as RNA, life may have begun with smaller molecules interacting with each other in cycles of reactions. These might have been contained in simple capsules akin to cell membranes, and over time, more complex molecules that perform these reactions better than the smaller ones could have evolved. Scenarios dubbed metabolism-first models as opposed to the gene-first model of the RNA world hypothesis. And then lastly, my favorite, of course, one is panspermia. Okay. Which life was brought here from elsewhere in space. And uh, basically, there's different theories on this one, though. You know, you could get into the, of course, my favorite, the alien hypothesis that they actually sent seeds here to pollinate our. Don't push your Scientologist (laughs) agenda on me, okay? (laughs) But the more scientific reasoning is that it was, you know, asteroids and comets and meteors. It came from distant yeah, like places. Some, something was attached on attached onto exactly. one of those, and, right? Yeah, which Spread is interesting because amongst the, land, mm-hmm, which is very parallel to us talking about flowers, mm-hmm. and that's what you know when flowers emerge and they were able to spread their seeds, they hitchhiked on animals and people and whatever else, and that's how they spread across the world, and that's how we were able to eat and sustain and become, you know, what we do now and go. Eat fast food, not unlike the <laughs> what the Asian carp in Lake Michigan or whatever, just like hitched a ride over here and now. It- yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> See, that's what you can't stop life. It just wants to keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh no, trust me. There's like weeds growing through my patio that I can never get rid of. <laughs> well, I always love when you see like the tree just busting through concrete. <laughs> yeah. you can't stop it. Yeah, you can't stop nature. All right, we're gonna take another quick break, and we'll be back with more Think Theory Radio and what is life. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. Today we ask that important question, what is life? Why is life? What is the meaning of life? And all of those will be answered. (laughs) In within 10 minutes. (laughs) So Uh, smash that like button and hang on. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, you know, we couldn't talk about what is life and what is the meaning of life and all that stuff without getting into, you know, the ph- philosophical beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many of them, and I found a list 
And basically, uh, in this list they got, I got from uh, adioma.com, and says that basically all philo- philosophies on the meaning of life kind of fall into these group four groups. Life has an objective meaning, or life has a subjective meaning, or life has no meaning, or life has a supernatural, unexplainable meaning. And you have uh, one is natural pantheism, which I guess was it's it's an ancient goes back to prehistoric times. But the uh, term was coined by Dutch philosopher Baruch Spinoza, Mr. Spinoza, in his book Ethics. And that is the belief that God is in everything, that all things together comprise an all-encompassing God. The meaning of life is in living in harmony with all that there is. So that's kind of similar to the kind of universal theory. There's theism which also goes back to prehistoric times, proposition that God or supreme being exists, the meaning of life is then prescribed by God that one believes in, uh, which I kind of got into a little bit, which to me, no offense to those who are religious, I just feel it's, it's a little too simplistic for me, you know, and then it gets too tied into human... It's also archaic, too. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think, like, you know, and, and there's some of it, you know, if you get into realms of Buddhism and Taoism and Hinduism, there's more philosophical questioning, and, you know, you get into kind of a universal, the all, everything's everything kind of thing. But I think if you think of the three kind of Abrahamic religions, it's all, all the stories are just very human, like, just like kind of these humanistic stories, other mm-hmm. than the different characters interactions with god it's all very just about you know war and rape and incest and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all these you know just these kind of humanistic concepts or whatever and it's it's always just kind of well you have to have faith thing which i want more yeah i want more answers yeah, yeah. Uh, but we also live in an era of like free thought mm-hmm. you know true so, I mean, it's like if you question that you yeah, know, when some of these religions are really getting steam, it's like, how dare you think for yourself? You oh, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it must be possessed by a demon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a witch, and but that's you know, and I, you just uh, brought up something I was thinking earlier about how I, I do think though that the time we're living in, compared to other times, at least scientifically speaking. It, we, it is a little bit more, it's probably the most open-minded it's ever been, even though there's definitely a lot of kind of uh, academic, uh, what is it, uh, indoctrination, I guess, if you want to call it, where, you know, people kind of get wrapped up in what is accepted at an academic level. And if somebody, like, thinks outside the box or goes against that, then, you know, there's an uproar. But for the most part, I think... People are in in science community are more acceptive of, you know, new theories and and understanding that what they believe in could totally be upended. You know, I think there's more acceptiveness of that. And and if their theory did get upended, it's fine because it's part of the scientific process. So I think in that instance or, you know, in this existence that we are in now. That's, you know, a, a pro as opposed to a con, right? Now, it's interesting, though, if you parallel that to religion nowadays, it's like it feels like there's part of it that's going back to a more 
fundamentalist, hardcore stance in a lot of different religions, you know, extremism and stuff. And at the same time, you have this more open-mindedness happening in, in, in science. So, I don't know, just an interesting time we're living in. Uh, another theory on the meaning of life, Taoism, which uh, is an interesting one that offers uh, basically from 5th century B.C., Taoism offers people a painless way of finding life's meaning through the wu-wei, action without intention or naturalness. Such action leads to finding the Tao, which is the way. And yet, the way cannot be understood through any explanation or action. The Tao reveals itself only when a person simply is, which is kind of like uh, we're talking about living in the now. Uh, there's determinism from the 6th century BC is the idea that all events happen as a result of previously existing causes. Since nothing can be changed in a predetermined world, a person cannot have free will. The meaning of life there is if is there is one is also predetermined and we cannot do anything to understand it. Uh, the idea of determinism is ancient, reviving in the mathematics of the 18th uh, century. One of its well-known representatives is the French philosopher and mathematician, Mr. Descartes. Uh, Confucianism, who, you know, I think we know who started that. Mr. Confucius, philosopher, Chinese philosopher from the 5th century BC, tells us to cultivate a virtue called Ren, which is an altruistic sort of feeling one experiences when taking care of one's children and parents. Uh, one of the ways he explained it is, now, the man of perfect virtue, wishing to be established himself, seeks also to establish others. Wishing to be enlarged himself, he seeks also to enlarge others, to be able to judge of others by what is nigh in ourselves. This may be called the art of virtue. And uh, one of Paul's favorite, cynicism, <laughs> uh, which appeared in the 4th century B.C., the cynics attempt to offer people the possibility of happiness and freedom from suffering in the age of uncertainty. The meaning of life is mental lucidity and self-sufficiency. To achieve self-sufficiency, a person must become free from external influences such as wealth, fame, and power. There is no central authority on cynicism or any official doctrine, yet it was an influential tradition in ancient Greece. Although it's kind of interesting, though, that the definition doesn't sound cynical to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, achieving self-sufficiency is not very cynical. Yeah, but how do you know that the person that wrote that? <laughs> right. Well, that's not, yeah. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite is hedonism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this, to me, is this is the meaning of life right here, which this uh, appeared around 4th century B.C. And hedonism basically is life based on seeking pleasure and avoiding suffering. Mm -hmm. Simple pleasures like eating, dancing, playing music. And it's, this definition does not mention having sex, but I think it's, yeah, that's it's gotta a be part of there. it. Yeah. Right. Are meaningful in themselves. It's an ancient idea that was later formulated by the Greek philosopher Democritus. Which is, I think, where democracy comes from. But I, I think know. you're right. That's kind of scary if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that hedonistic Democritus. 
Um, and there's Platonism, you know, from Plato. Oh, democ- democracy is not named for uh, Democritus. Oh, yeah. that's uh, it's actually derived from uh, Democratia or Democratia, which uh, turned derives from Greek "demos," meaning people, and "kratos," meaning rule. Hmm. There you go. And what year does it say? No. Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, well, uh, wait. Uh, so Democritus was what 460 BCE died yeah. 370 BCE. I don't know when democracy. Democracy. Okay. I was just wondering what yeah. why he was named that, or if you know. The entomology of it all. For another time. Yes. <laughs> Plato believed the meaning of life is in the pursuit of knowledge. That's good. <laughs> Still go with hedonism, though. <laughs> what about legalism, which I did not know was a philosophy, uh, which is actually a Chinese philosophy from the 4th century B.C. The legalists believe that humans are inherently selfish and cannot be trusted to behave morally. Hmm? Cannot uh, disagree entirely. So that's the, the cynics, right? Mm-hmm. A strong government system can steer humans to continue behaving in their selfish ways while the system as a whole benefits from their work. The meaning of life is then in the acquisition of skills that make a person's work valuable to the state, which in turn benefits society. Hmm. Kind of sounds like uh, the world we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The legalists took over. See, all this time, we didn't even know. We thought it was the Christians, the Muslims, the Buddhists. <laughs> it's like but the, it's uh, really the legalists. Was it the, from The Simpsons? Like, can you imagine a world without lawyers and everyone's like <laughs> holding hands and smiling? <laughs> it's, no, it's the, the legalists. Yeah, That's really the legalists. They, they got in there. They snuck their philosophy in. You know, <laughs> now we're all living in it. That's what it is. It's all just about acquisition of skills and make our work valuable to the state or really the corporate corporatocracy. <laughs> and that brings me back to, like, you know, my, my initial statement that this can't be all what life is for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that the universe were 14 billionaires and finally figured out how to populate a planet with all these different organisms and all beautiful creatures and plant life. Only to have it be brought to you by Citibank. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm waiting for, you know, like I love when stuff gets upended. You know, we think about uh, and I have to wrap this up real quick, but uh, thinking about, you know, we thought that agriculture came first and then people built megalithic monuments. But when we discovered uh, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, which is 10,000 to 11,000 years old, it's actually built by hunter gatherers. So actually, from what we know now, megalithic Buildings and structures were built before agriculture. So that's the whole little, you know, that's how life changes. Okay. <laughs> just had to throw that in there. I just like mentioning Go Begley Tempe because it's so cool. Look it up. It's cool. But anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, thanks, for Dan, for calling in. And we'll be back again next week and every Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on WCPT H20 Think Theory Radio.